Good morning, church. My name is Jeremy Hetzel. I'm the director of student ministries here. And as some of you may know, I love animated movies. I say it proudly. Does anyone here love animated movies? Awesome. Well, I have a treat for you today. Instead of a sermon, we are going to have a two-hour animated movie. I'm just kidding. If you clapped, I'm sad. Um, So I have a clip from The Incredibles. You guys seen The Incredibles? Um, If you don't know, Incredibles number two is coming out this summer, um, June 15th. Not that I know. And it's going to be great. But I wanted to start out... For those who don't know, we are in a sermon series on hard sayings of Jesus, and so I want this clip to introduce today's sermon. I thought you'd be back by 11. I said I'd be back later. I assumed you'd be back later. If you came back at all, you'd be back later. Well, I'm back. Okay. Is this rubble? It was just a little workout. Just to stay loose. You know how I feel about that, Bob. Darn you, we can't blow cover again. The building was coming down anyway. I what? <sighs> You knocked down a building? It was on fire, structurally unsound. It was coming down anyway. Tell me you haven't been listening to the police scanner again. Look, I performed a public service. You act like that's a bad thing. It is a bad thing, Bob. Uprooting our family again so you can relive the glory days is a very bad thing. Reliving the glory days is better than acting like they didn't happen. Yes, they happened. But this, our family, is what's happening now, Bob. And you are missing this. I can't believe you don't want to go to your own son's graduation. It's not a graduation. He is moving from the fourth grade to the fifth grade. It's a ceremony. It's psychotic. They keep creating new ways to celebrate mediocrity. But if someone is genuinely exceptional, then This is not about you, Bob. This is about Dash. You want to do something for Dash? Then let him actually compete. Let him go out for sports. I will not be made the enemy here. You know why we can't do that. Because it'd be great. This is not about you. All right, Dash. I know you're listening. Come on out. I get full disclosure. I full disclosure. I do not have permission to show that clip. <laughs> I've been informed that anytime I do not have permission, I need to say that. You will probably hear it a lot. All right. Um, anyone ever been there? Have you been there where you're where you're fighting with someone that you love? It happens in families, right? Families are full of people who aren't perfect. Sometimes there's fights, there's conflict. Praise be to Jesus that we have a God who wants our homes to be full of peace, right? Full of peace and joy and hope. So let's read our text for today. Matthew chapter 10, 34 to 36. If you have the YouVersion app on your phone, you want to pull up the event that we have this morning, go ahead. Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 36. Jesus, speaking to his disciples, says this. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. 
uh, Jesus, just when he speaks, like warm fuzzies, right? Like uh, he wants the best for us. What is Jesus saying here? I didn't come to bring peace to the earth. I came and I brought a sword. Like a sword is used to separate, divide. And then he wants man's enemies to be members of their own household. What are you saying, Lord? When I read this, I think about a text that we often hear at Christmas from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter nine says this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So how can Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, say that he didn't come to bring peace, but he came and brought a sword? What are you saying? We want to understand, Lord. So let's look at some context. Context of Matthew chapter 10. It is when Jesus is sending out the 12, okay? So the 12 disciples are being sent out two by two to do some different things. And he's given them authority to drive out evil spirits, heal disease, sickness, etc. So I want to read to you some of the scripture, some of the verses that Jesus spoke when he was sending them out. So these are his instructions to the disciples, and you will recognize some of this. Matthew chapter 10, starting at verse 11. Whatever town or village you enter, disciples, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Skip to verse 21. Same chapter, same instructions. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Go to verse 32 and following to through 39. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my father in heaven. Thus some are believers. Verse 33, but whoever disowns me before men, an unbeliever, I will disown him before my father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So I think when we read the context of Jesus' instructions, I think it's a lot clearer that he is sending out his disciples into a world that is going to hate them. 
He is sending his disciples out into a world that does not love him. He is sending his disciples out amongst the wolves. And he wants them to be prepared and he wants them to understand what's going to take place. First, before we dig in anymore, I want to explain that scripture talks about two different types of peace. Two different types of peace. The first type of peace, it's found in Romans chapter 4. Romans 4, starting at verse 25. He, being Jesus, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. First kind of peace, vertical peace, okay? We have peace with God, not anything that we have done to deserve it. It is the free gift of God that we get because of faith. Peace with God, gift from him, praise be to Jesus. Second type of peace, we also find in Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, verse 18. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, so understanding it's not always possible. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Horizontal peace. Peace with one another. Peace with everyone. Peace with man, woman, child. Peace with our brothers and sisters. So we have two types of peace, vertical, horizontal. But we recognize that it's not always easy to stay at peace with everyone in our life, right? We've seen from the Incredibles clip that even in families that love one another, sometimes there's turmoil, there's pain, there's chaos. Let's read, read John chapter 15 verses 18 and 19. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. So I think the picture of what peace often looks like in our lives is like this. We have peace with God. It's been achieved. Nothing that we did to earn it. The free gift. Peace with man. God wants us to have that. But it's difficult sometimes. And why? It's difficult because of the cross. It's difficult because of the faith that we have. And that faith sets us apart. That faith makes us different. The Lutheran Bible, Study Bible says this. This is a quote that I found. The inevitable result of Christ's coming is conflict. The inevitable result of Christ's coming is conflict between Christ and the Antichrist, between light and darkness, between Christ's children and the devil's children. There's two kinds of peace. And praise be to God that we are at peace with him. But because we are at peace with him, 
there will be times that we do not have peace with those around us. I wanted to read Matthew 10 again. Thirty-four to thirty-six. Understand it now in this context of understanding. Do not suppose, disciples, that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. When you love Jesus first when he is number one in your life, you will have difficulty with others. It's going to happen. That's not fun to hear. That's not what we wanna know, but it's reality. We will have conflict. Sometimes we have conflict because of our own sin, okay? There's other conflict that we have because of what we believe. And we are called to stand up for what we believe and speak truth. I have a picture I want to show. Have you guys ever been here or seen this? Yes? Where is this? I didn't hear anyone answer, even though I heard a lot of mumbling. <laughs> Eisenhower Tunnel. Yes, that's correct. So we've been through the Eisenhower Tunnel, right? When you go through the Eisenhower Tunnel, what are you typically on your way to do? Ski, snowboard, I've never been. I've been skiing and I don't like it because I get cold. <laughs> and I'm alone all day and I fall a lot. Um, all right, so Bill Hybels has a quote. He's a pastor from church in Chicago, Willow Creek. Um, I read this book, Honest to God, and he had this quote and it included the Eisenhower Tunnel, but I thought it was very appropriate for the conversation today. It's human nature to prefer peacekeeping over truth-telling. Most of us will do almost anything to avoid conflict. In his book, The Different Drum, Scott Peck presents an interesting theory about relationships. Because we choose peacekeeping over truth-telling, we end up in pseudo-communal relationships. Peck says the only antidote to pseudo-community, fake community, is chaos. I, Bill, call it the tunnel of chaos, where hurts are unburied, hostilities revealed, and tough questions asked. Skiers know that if they want to drive from Denver to Vail, they have to go through the Eisenhower Tunnel. It doesn't matter how much they dislike tunnels. If they want to make it to Vail, they have to go through that tunnel. Likewise, no matter how unpleasant the tunnel of chaos is, there's no other route to authentic relationships. When I read this, it stood out to me as very profound and true. When we want to have a true and honest relationship with someone and we see things differently than someone else, we either ignore it and thus really don't have a relationship or we enter the tunnel of chaos. And the tunnel of chaos is exactly like it sounds in what we saw in our clip today. It's no fun. It seems to cause more problems. It causes stress. It causes worry and pain and concern. But if we want to have honest, legitimate, truthful relationships, we have to, at times, enter the tunnel of chaos. I have a question for you now. 
Who are you in the tunnel of chaos with right now? Who should you be in it with? I want us to take a moment to just pray and be silent. And what I want to ask the Lord to do is reveal to us any name or person or people that he lays on our heart that we know he wants us to speak into. Now we're gonna talk more about speaking into that in a minute. And I don't want us to just think, oh, I just thought this name, now I gotta go do it, okay? There's a lot more prayer and discernment that has to go into speaking. You can't just jump into it because often if you do, you're gonna cause a lot more pain. But what I wanna do is take a moment of just silent prayer to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, is there anyone that I'm in a tunnel of chaos with that I shouldn't be? Lord, is there anyone that I am supposed to be in the tunnel of chaos? You are calling me to speak truth into this friend or family member's life. You're calling me to do it and I haven't entered into it yet because of fear. Let's take a moment to pray. Amen. I pray that if the Lord gave you a name, that you would prayerfully discern how he wants you to follow up with that person. So please hear me very clearly. I don't want you to call them the minute you get out of service and just dive into the tunnel. You're gonna skin your knees and it's gonna hurt. Slow down. So how do we navigate the tunnel of chaos well? Five quick points. First, we've got to be salt and light. We've got to remember that we are called to reflect Jesus. We've got to remember that there is a much bigger picture going on than just us. Sometimes we want to jump into the tunnel of chaos or we go in because we're mad or we're upset and we want to speak truth to that person because they've hurt us or they're doing something wrong. We want to set it right. We've got to remember it's not about us. God might want to use us in this relationship to speak truth, okay? But remember the big picture. It's not about us, it's about him. Second, we've got to speak the truth in love. This can be very hard. Speaking the truth in love is what scripture calls us to do, but is not necessarily something that comes very easily. Speaking the truth in love means that you have been able to get to a point where you can speak about it and you are not like instantly emotional where you want to like grab them. You've got to pray, slow down, ask the Lord to give you words. And a lot of times the best way to get to a point of being able to speak the truth in love is A, pray for that person. But B, you got to listen well. A lot of times we want to speak often and we should listen. We should hear what they're going through because we may completely be misunderstanding something that happened. We may completely be misunderstanding or not have all the pieces of the puzzle. So before you speak truth in love, listen, ask questions, discern. So if we want to speak the truth in love well, what do we have to do? We have to be shrewd. I talked about this two weeks ago. 
We've got to learn to be shrewd for good. We've got to learn to come at it a sideways way and not direct. Because often when we come direct, defenses go up, people get angry, and then, and then you haven't gotten to any point where you're really bringing resolution or joy or peace. So you've got to discern what is a shrewd way, what is a sideways way to bring this truth. And how do we discern that? How do we figure that out? We've got to learn to abide. Number four, if we want our relationships that are either almost fake or about to be or in full-on chaos, if we want to bear good fruit out of those relationships, we've got to learn to abide. John 15, four says, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We've got to be discerning of how the Holy Spirit living inside of us, moving, shaping, transforming, is calling us to have this conversation. We've got to abide so that the actions that we take are A, from God, and B, full of good fruit. So how do we do that? How do we abide? We've got to be renewed and restored. We've got to experience spiritual renewal every day. We've got to spend time in God's word, in worship, and in prayer. If you enjoy hiking and you like being in the outdoors, if you enjoy reading books about scripture, you've got to spend time with Jesus. So I want to backtrack all this. You've got to spend time with Jesus. And as you spend time with him, you abide. You learn to abide better. And as you abide, the Lord helps you to be shrewd. And as you are shrewd, the Lord helps you to speak truth in love. And when you go meet with that person, you are prepared to handle it with the bigger picture in mind, where God's spirit can move and work not only in you, but in that other person, okay? So I wanna read our scripture one more time. And I want us to remember that often when we are in conflict with people, it is some of the closest people in our lives, the people that we love the most, and it's either because they are not walking with Jesus or they are and they just see it differently or there is a lot of pain that's going on because of unresolved conflict. So here again, Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. This is not what Jesus wants. He does not want this chaos to be a part of our lives. But he does want more for us and he does not want us to ignore the problems. He wants us to stand up and pursue truth and stand up and pursue him. And sometimes that means we have to enter the tunnel of chaos for our own good and for those that we love. How do I know that Jesus wants it for our good? Because Jesus entered the tunnel of chaos for us. Jesus recognized, God recognized 
that we were broken sinners far from him. We didn't want to spend time with him. We did not want to pursue him. And he said, I will come to earth. I will live the perfect life. I will die a horrible death. I will have my own father turn his back on me while I am on the cross so that I can bring you to me. And may that be our motivation anytime we see division in relationships that we have that we do not want there. May we enter into that prayerfully discerning, Lord, how do you want to resolve this relationship? I am not going to not stand up for you. I will stand up for you as I'm supposed to. But Lord, I need your help. I need you to work in this relationship so that this relationship is brought to a place of peace. Because God, our Father, wants our relationships to be full of joy and peace and hope. And he wants to enter into those relationships to make all things new. And we can't make them new unless we enter the tunnel of chaos to work through problems and pain and hurt. We need the Lord to do this. This is not something we can do on our own. But I pray that in the days, weeks, months, years ahead, as we recognize relationships in our own lives that need to change, that need strengthened, that need truth, may the Lord work miracles and bring healing where there is currently division. Let's pray.